You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Hello to you. Hello to you. Hello to my cultured crew. I hope you're having a beautiful week so far. And wherever you're listening to this podcast in this whole wide world or beyond, if you're an extraterrestrial, hello. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Today, we are going to be inspired by Alia Bright. She is a paper artist, and more specifically, she is a paper quiller. So she dabbles in the art of paper quilling. And if you've never heard what that is, it's not origami, it's not paper cutting, and it is not collage. It's basically the art of cutting strips of paper that are a bit heavier or even lighter than cardstock, but a bit heavier than the normal weight of paper, and you twirl them and twist them and combine them all into different shapes. So Alia does an amazing job at paper quilling, typography, and lettering. And she also does portraits of stormtroopers, Pocahontas, uh, Darth Vader. She does some incredible work. So we're going to be talking to her about the process, methods, tools of paper quilling, and then also how in the heck she got into it. But first, we're talking about my inspiration this week, and this is going to come as a shock. I am inspired by paper this week. (laughs) And I'm inspired by paper because the more I looked into the art of paper quilling and the vast variety of art forms surrounding paper and using paper as the main medium, I realized Paper has completely transformed the way that we as humans communicate. And even though it feels very passe now that we have a bunch of technological advancements that make paper in many ways moot, it has an ancient history. And the invention of paper, which many say was around 105 AD, uh, that's old, enabled us to keep track of things, to take records, to communicate across vast swaths of land. And that's a pretty special thing. And so to look into the history of paper and see, A, how it was made and how it was developed as this tool to be painted on and written on and the course that it took and how it altered human history in the meantime and the way that we interact and build societies and track how much money we have, and even the invention of paper money. It's a pretty inspiring thing. It's a little jaw-dropping, in fact. So yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about paper in the context of paper quilling, but I encourage you to do some research about the history of paper and maybe find your local papermaking museum. We actually have one here in Atlanta, and it's a pretty spectacular place. They actually teach you how to make paper in very different ways, and they have a, a pretty incredible collection of paper from across the world. So that's kind of neat. Try to find a few in your city have one like us in Atlanta. All right, y'all. Without further ado, let's talk to Alia. So first of all, what is paper quilling? 
Well, paper quilling is a paper craft that involves cutting paper into thin strips and then gluing them down so they stand up on edge. So it becomes a 3D piece. Is this an ancient art form? Because I only just recently discovered it, actually, around the time I discovered your work. You know, it's funny. I It is. And I only know this because of like comments I've read by other people. But uh, I knew very little about it when I got into it, about the history or how it was most commonly used, how people were doing it today. Like, I didn't know any of that. So I do know that, but I don't have a lot of facts. Right. around it. <laughs> you just know that you enjoy it and you do it really well. <laughs> yeah. You know, the big question is, how does one get into paper quilling? So give us a little bit of a, of a peek into the journey that led you to quilling paper. Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't really know. I didn't know what it was called quilling. I barely kind of knew what was going on with it. And I got into it through a series of escalating paper projects that just kind of happened, uh, starting with wanting to make my own Christmas bows, mostly because I had waited too long to go out and buy any fancy wrapping. I was so into that. I was like, what else can I do? And I started looking at making paper flowers. And I was into that for a, a short while and then kind of was like, all right, what next? And I had remembered seeing one artist back in the day in a previous life, previous job uh, on like a kind of an inspiration uh, hunt that I'd seen some artwork done by an artist named Yulia Brodskaya. And I had seen it, thought it looked really cool, kind of didn't give it. I I never planned on trying it um, because it just looked too hard. Well, (laughs) because her work is is like, you know, hyper realism and figure painting, but with paper. Right. I mean, I look at her stuff now and I still feel like that looks too hard. Like, I just, yeah, don't have the eye for that kind of. <laughs> well, okay. So how did you discover paper quilling in the first place? It was through that chain of events of making paper projects. But what led you to quilling? When I was um, a full-time graphic designer, I was a apparel graphics designer um, for Old Navy for many years. And yeah, every, you know, once in a while, you just need to kind of look around for a creative refresh and, you know, not necessarily stuff that was going to be translate to work I'd be doing for, you know, graphic tees, but just kind of look around and like, and see what kind of creative stuff is out there. And so just kind of scour the internet and a lot of uh, different, you know, cool sites and inspiration sites and kind of photo dump sites. And uh, at some point I had come across her stuff. I remembered it, you know, I'd, I'd moved on from it at the time. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. I don't even understand what I'm looking at pretty much. And, mm-hmm. um, and then had moved on. But then when I was circling back around to like, what else could I do with paper? I was like, Oh, what was that thing that I saw that was so cool? And the rest <laughs> is history. And then you just invented your own process, like a true creative with chutzpah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's really helped me produce my best work because I find it really easy, a little too easy to like, get fixated on like a, some you know, a piece of inspiration you saw, whether it's like a logo, if you're doing logo design and then you can't, you know, it's like, then that's what's in your head. Um, And it's kind of hard to get outside that box and and find your own voice if you are, if there's so much cool stuff out there that's already so cool as it is, you know? So the fact that I kind of just was given, you know, it's like the equivalent of being like, this is paint. This is a paint brush. Now go, you know, it's like, that's what I had. I had the tools and like generally what's happening, you know, it's it's paper standing up on paper. 
Right, which doesn't sound all that simple, P.S., just as as a third party. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I definitely want to dig into the process in a bit and the tools that you use. But you alluded to the fact that you worked for Old Navy in graphic design and looking at the pieces that you produce uh, doing paper quilling, it's very, very clear that you have a long background in not just design and illustration, but also in typography and putting words and shapes together in a really beautiful way. So tell us a little bit about your creative background. When I uh, went to college, I actually started as a uh, fine arts major with an emphasis in drawing, um, which in itself was kind of absolutely not random in in hindsight, but drawing was, it was my favorite thing. It was my very favorite thing. It's, it's what I did with all my free time. But for some reason, I just didn't feel like that could be parlayed into a profession. You know, like it just wasn't, it never even registered that that would be like something I'd actually major in in college. It's just something I would do for my whole life. (laughs) And so I was actually like, had my college applications filled out for like mechanical engineering and accounting because I like numbers and (laughs) Lord have mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And literally the night before I was sending my applications and I was like, no, I'm going to go for it. And I <laughs> changed them all to fine no, art. Oh, the night before? the Like the night before mailing them in, I was <laughs> like white out and che- changed the check boxes and was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. Even though like it just seemed at the time ridiculous <laughs> a little wow. bit. So nobody in your life had framed arts as a potential career? Well, no, see, that's what's funny is like my parents thought that that's what I would want to do and they were very supportive and encouraging but like it was me that was like well but not but like as a, not as a job how as a job how does that even make sense you know I can now say you've made cultured history by being the first person to actually be <laughs> against their parents on this other side <laughs> right <laughs> you're like no no you're such dreamers parents I can't be an artist <laughs> yeah I was like, no, I love art, but like, what, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> I did my first two years uh, as a fine arts major and like pretty quickly discovered that, uh, I mean, it was so fun, but um, I didn't feel like I was really bringing anything to the table. You know, like I didn't feel like I had a voice as a fine artist. I enjoyed realism, but like it was a meditative thing that I like to just make something look like something else. But like there was no voice there at all. I was like, this is a hobby. Like, this is a, a something, a, a hobby I'm passionate about. But like, I really felt like, where am I going to take it? You know, even now that I know that I could take it somewhere. At that point, at that time, I had started to become pretty enamored with the graphic design and kind of dove headfirst into that. And I transferred um, to UCLA's design program. And what that led to was, I mean, first of all, it was hard to get a job. So I started uh freelancing and ended up doing mostly web design because that's what everyone needed, even though it wasn't my favorite. When I had reached out to Old Navy, they were relocating to San Francisco and needed like some, you know, a bunch of production workers for like a short-term thing that wasn't really graphic design. It was just like, do you know Illustrator? Um, But I didn't end up doing that. I had the contact info though, a couple months later, I hit him up and was like, hey, are there any openings for anything and in design? And I went in and chatted with them and there was nothing open in the uh, kind of marketing design that I was looking at. But they had uh, they were like, we're always looking for um, freelancers for 
apparel graphics, which is totally foreign to me. But I think because I hadn't been so rigidly trained for print graphic design as an agency, um, that door was probably felt a little more open to me. So mm. in retrospect, it worked out well <laughs> right. because I ended up working there for the, you know, I mean, freelancing for, I think, probably a year and then getting hired and working there for the next six, seven years and, and ultimately running the girls graphics department. And you never really think when you see those graphic tees that uh, who, which kind of person is behind <laughs> those tees making those happen. So I find that really cool. <laughs> like I could yeah. do a whole nother episode with you about graphic tees for, you know, massive brands. Cause that's just too cool. I think at old Navy, is where you really started uh, getting to know more about typography and illustration. Is that right? Certainly illustration. I I was a pretty, I would have called myself a type geek, but very like, you know, font-based typefaces, mm. you know, pride myself at like calling out fonts on signs <laughs> around the city. And but, but the other side of that, the not as cool side, was that I was completely incapable of you know, lettering something myself. I was just like, no, I need a font. Over time, work at Old Navy is so fast and uh, you don't have time to comb through 30,000 fonts and maybe not find the one that's going to work for your graphics. So I had to do it. It was out of my comfort zone to draw letters. Oh, how cool. And you create such gorgeous lettering and you combine it with the paper quilling. So it ends up being this just like punch in the face of beautiful design, beautiful colors, because you choose your colors really wisely. And there's a really nice contrast and cohesion with the colors. And then they're all just so playful. You know, you you do a good job of embodying whatever the words are in the actual shape and form of the paper. So let's dive back in to paper quilling. Now that we know, you know, your background as a creative because now everything has this context that makes a little bit more sense because, you know, I think people would look at your feed and be like, how, but what, how, how? And so now we have that answer. <laughs> so what are some of the tools um, that you use for paper quilling? Yeah, I have very few tools, just a good pair of super sharp scissors, a uh, pair of tweezers, which is just like invaluable. That's how you glue the paper to the paper. Yeah, you can't, you can't go in there all ham-handed with these tiny pieces of paper and expect them to do what you want. Totally. Like, yeah, so scissors, tweezers, something to help me curve the paper. For a while, I used the the handle of my quilling tool. Okay, so those are the, the tools that you use. What's your process like? When you come up with an idea, what's that usually like for you? I have a notebook that is full of ideas, um, words I like, phrases I like or think are funny or things I like, you know, everything has to kind of relate back to something I care about because that's how I produce my best work. I've never been one of those people, certainly not as a graphic designer that can just like make something that just looks cool, even if there's no like idea behind it. Mm -hmm. And I am envious of those people. I knew several in school who was like, you know, you could just be like, make a fake logo for like a whatever company whose target audience is who cares. <laughs> and like, they just would make something that just looks so cool. <laughs> like, that's amazing. And I really, like, need the brief, so to speak. You know, yeah. like, I need a brief. I need kind of, like, where am I going with this? And definitely with Instagram, like, my captions, like, I'm trying to just be me, you know. So 
have something to say about what I'm doing. So um, I've definitely got just like word lists in a, in a notebook. And if any kind of strike me as that, I, I particularly like them, or if I can kind of see how they might be laid out, I'll give them a sketch. But I usually start with a uh, pencil and paper and, uh, and get kind of a general sketch going. And then um, I'll take it into the computer and sometimes just fine tune my pencil sketch. And then sometimes it's like, this isn't working. And I end up doing the whole thing on the computer really depends. And so now you have your design, your sketch ready, your oh, hi piece, which I love. (laughs) And I'm always like, hi. (laughs) So let's say for that piece, how long would something like that take you? So this I designed specifically to be quick and easy because I was going to try doing a a time-lapse video um, which I did, but it just doesn't look very good. So I never posted it. <laughs> still trying to figure out my videos. That so yeah, so this was purposely designed to be simple shapes, the only the fill in the drop shadow, just a slatted fill. So I could try to, you know, save time. So, and then I also did this really fast because I was videoing myself and didn't want like a seven hour long video. But I'd say if I did this to the quality that I would normally do a piece, six hours, Oh, wow. Five hours. for uh, This one, I think, was a faster one. So, yeah, maybe maybe five. From a mental point of view, is this something that you just lose yourself in, that you just zen out in? Or, you know, how does it feel to actually be in the process of creating your, your quill? Do you call them quills? I actually don't tend to use the word quilling that much unless people ask what it's called. I've, because it's Because it's so different than what quilling I think is largely understood to be yeah no I definitely get in the zone with these this is the kind of my brand of you know tedium so to speak Mm. (laughs) where like it doesn't it's not frustrating to me at all to sit there for you know seven hours in a day like cutting strips even when I have to like I cut a little slat and like oh it's a you know half a millimeter too wide or like too short and I can tell you know so it's like cut a new piece you know try again Mm -hmm. definitely get into the zone yeah like all of that physical discomfort really falls away I mean I try to have my setup be as friendly as possible to me but Mm -hmm. um you know gripping tweezers and uh and hunching over for that many hours is just like yeah it's painful for my hand my hands get trashed uh upper back gets knotted up but but yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things that you just like I lose myself in and and can really just like zen out and it's a super meditative process for me. You know, I find it interesting how full circle life is because, you know, you were <laughs> yeah. like, what am I going to do with an art degree? You ended up going into graphic design and doing the commercial slash corporate side of creative and arts. And now you have come back around, sort of created your own art form within this umbrella, and now you're showing at galleries. So that's yeah. pretty exciting. <laughs> How does that feel? I, that, it's definitely not been lost on me, you know, like uh, that I went so far from being like, I'm not an artist, I'm a designer, you know, like <laughs> a graphic designer and like more and more inching back towards towards artists. And of course now, you know, uh, art, illustration and graphic design are all kind of one blended family. But yeah, I've definitely thought of that. I'm like, and now I would absolutely call myself probably an artist first is designer second. 
That is so cool. I just you can't escape your destiny, <laughs> like point blank. Right. <laughs> so how many gallery shows have you done and what has that been like to show your work? Well, you know, that's a super new thing for me, actually. I've just done the one. I was, I've been doing this, creating pieces since, uh, I guess, 2014 is when, when my Star Wars stuff started. Again, like as I am want to do, apparently, I just kind of relegated it to, to the realm of hobby hmm. for a long time and just kept creating pieces just because I loved doing it. But uh, I didn't really start looking at this as what I do and what I want to do and what I want to be hired for until last year. Wow. And I mean, four years in general with an art form is a relatively young, you know, career in an art, in a chosen art form. But it's very clear that this is something that you were meant to be doing because, I mean, come on, you're just so good at it. It's pretty incredible. And so do you do commission work now? Uh, Yeah, you know, I did. uh, I did start to do commission work when I was first like, oh, people like this, but was still considered a hobby. Um, and I did a bunch of commissions for my for my Star Wars superhero stuff, but then kind of moved away from that and started with the lettering. And as far as lettering goes, it's it's tough to do commissions because so um, labor intensive. And I'm really um, I view this as like my art, my my fine art rather than just a commercial project, I should say. But I did recently get a, a, an illustration agent there in Atlanta. What are they called? Conjure. That's right. That's right. That is so exciting. So so people reach out to Conjure and they connect you with the clients that you would be the best fit for? Or how does it work? Clients will reach out to me. And now I kind of have that assistance and support to, to be like, sure, like, um, let me loop in my, you know, studio manager and, and let's talk about it. And so nice. that has opened the door to, to, you know, commissions with, with larger clients, but that's, that's also brand new, mm. you know, that's, that's just this, this year, essentially. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so, that's a big deal. Thank you. Makes oh, negotiations easier. Like you get to that's... be like, Oh, talk to my agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing where it's like, again, the more I kind of move back to to the artist side of the spectrum, the more I kind of like just want to do the work, you know? Mm -hmm. Are your days now pretty much exclusively dedicated to paper quilling? Are you still doing illustration work outside of the paper medium? As much as I wish my days were full of quilling, um, that that's, like I said, it's still so brand new that this is something that is actually turning into what I do and hopefully what I will be doing full time. And it's looking, it's looking good yeah. <laughs> right now. But, uh, but yeah, I still have, uh, I've kept um, a couple of my long, uh, long standing clients that I do um, illustration and kind of traditional graphic design work for. That's awesome. That's a great balance. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I've been, I've been working for myself since, mid 2013 and uh and it's been great and and now is is the best it's ever been to kind of have my paper art really be a part of the mix you know yeah. um and not just kind of some thing that I do when I have time 
So, yeah, that's been great. That's a beautiful feeling. So other than Yulia Brodskaya, who else in the world of paper art inspires you? Lettering artists are really like, you know, what my Instagram feed is filled with because letter forms are the basis of, of my paper art. But two of the earliest ones are, are Jessica Hish and Dana Tanamachi. I think they're probably on everybody's list. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, more recently on the scene, uh, Nick Masani, who does those amazing fosaics. Um, a, a paper artist that I love, uh, who doesn't do quilling, but is incredibly impressive to me, is uh, Matthew Schlein. He does paper folding, and they're also 3D sculptures, and they should give his work a look. It's it's pretty amazing. Oh, wow. Well, we'll include it in the show notes, too. Yeah, he's he's incredible. So he's a big one. And also, even though I don't do it, I, uh, I do uh, love some um, paper cut artists. Oh, yeah. You know, cut, cut paper, like is that intricate, like I've done it before, and... Um, it's even harder on the hands than quilling now. <laughs> I just really trash myself and like I was not getting as detailed as, as some of those people. But uh, yeah, I think there's a, an artist that goes by Bear Follows Cat. <laughs> Is a pretty amazing one. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then there's a handful of uh, sign painters. I just can't get enough of sign painting. <laughs> oh, I it's mesmerizing to watch on Instagram when they have those process videos. Oh. It's like the mm-hmm. most satisfying thing in the world to watch. <laughs> a smooth yeah. stroke. Every time I see one, yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm quitting this and I'm doing sign painting. That's it. I do sign painting immersion. I only want to paint sign. I want to paint on glass. I would not put it past you at this point. But seriously, thank right. you so much. This has been so inspiring. And, you know, I think we've opened up not just a whole world of paper quilling to those who weren't aware, but we've already touched on a few different ways that paper can be used to transform into something else. So that's really cool. And I think I'm going to have to do a few uh, follow-up episodes about paper. <laughs> yeah, oh. That'd be amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. And just like that, we are new fans of paper quilling. Wah, wah, we wah. I certainly encourage you to find Alia online because you have just got to see her pieces to believe them. I promise they're nothing like what you have in mind. So you can find her on Instagram at Alia underscore bright. You can find her online at aliabright.com. And you spell that A-L-I-A and bright as in a light bulb. And you get a little ray of sunshine. All right, y'all. Until next week, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. Dante Hodge is our engineer. Ina Garkusha is our editor. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Listen Up Podcasts made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to Cultured on culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts are found. Cultured.